Welcome to KBCast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen. I caught up with Kyla Guru, the founder of Bits and Bytes. She's also an ISACA member, and we discussed cyber education from K to 12. Kyla talks about what her organization is doing to provide schools with the education required for students to learn more about cybersecurity. We discuss the increase in accessibility to education and tech careers for under-resourced and underrepresented populations and how other people can assist Kyla on her mission. If you're keen to learn more about how to better educate students, then this episode is for you, so please keep listening. Okay, so Kyla, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm really excited uh, to have you here. And I've done obviously a bit of reconnaissance work on yourself, a little bit more about your company. So I'm really excited to talk to you, not only about your journey, but a little bit more about bits and bytes and how you sort of started that. But before we really get into that, we always like to start our journey off with talking about you and your journey. So can you please walk our listeners through where you started to what you're sort of doing now? Absolutely, Carissa. Thank you so much for having me today. I am just thrilled to be here chatting with you. Um, So my name is Kyla. I am the founder and CEO of Bits and Bytes Cybersecurity Education, which is a nonprofit that is dedicated to educating and equipping all vulnerable populations. So that includes people from the ages of five to the ages of 95 and above with the cybersecurity education and awareness skills needed for the future. And um, what brought me to this, so I founded Bits and Bytes um, when I was 14 years old, so about four and a half years ago now. And what brought me to like kind of that journey of discovering that there was a problem was just kind of seeing what was happening in my community alone, right? So that year we had seen a massive data breach in our high school, in our local community. And um, we realized that the social security numbers of our educators were breached as a result of a social engineering attempt or an, an email phishing attempt. And um, just kind of hearing that and then reinforcing that with a lot of knowledge I had gained the summer before at a formal training program um, kind of made me realize that cybersecurity is so human centric and so many of the solutions focus on systems and and processes, but not enough on people. So um, the, the kind of solution that I had iterated was to start from the K through 12 level with Uh, injecting in cybersecurity information from the very first time that students touch a device and turn it on and feel empowered to realize their security. So um, I started from the K through 12 level and then that kind of snowballed into all sorts of vulnerable populations and and groups of students, groups of elders, groups of professionals, um, just talking about, you know, how we can get humans to feel empowered by security and take proactive steps to protect themselves online. So now Bits and Bytes is continuing to push out curriculum. We actually just had two new pieces of curriculum get launched um, over the past few months, one of them on cyber safety for grades six through eight, and another on disinformation for grades nine through 12. Curriculum, working with schools and just amplifying a bigger conversation about how important it is to for humans to understand cybersecurity. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You talk about human-centric because I think, I mean, in my experience of working in this space now, a lot of people are trying to just solve the problem with with more technology and, and layers and layers and layers of technology. But I think from what I'm hearing from what you're saying is really uh, stripping that back, looking at the human just as they are and really starting with that. I mean, coupled up with technology solutions, but really talking to them at that level and educating them through the awareness piece, but starting that a lot younger for what I'm, what I'm hearing you say. Is that, is that correct? Certainly. You hit it right on the dot. Um, we really do focus on humans and individuals, not only because humans are, you know, the core of security, they're why we secure products is to keep people secure. So they have to know, you know, how, what we are doing to keep them secure, how they should take, you know, proactive steps to check their websites before they go on them, check each download before they download it to make sure there's no malware on it, little things like that, that they can embed into their digital hygiene and digital being. Um, So that's one reason, obviously, to keep people safe. But the other is because we really want to build this culture of cybersecurity in the future, right? When we look at the way that software and products are built right now, a lot of it is focused on um, kind of that model of Ship Monday, Patch Tuesday, if you've heard of that. It's like kind of just the idea of like innovation without... Um, caring about security until afterwards, thinking of it as an afterthought. And the the main reason for that, yeah, and the main reason why it's not embedded in engineering right now is because um, simply because like, you know, users don't know enough about it to kind of use it as, to see it as a competitive advantage in a a company. Um, And organizations kind of work like by seeing what would give them a competitive advantage, right? So if we if we build this culture of security, users will start to see cybersecurity as a competitive advantage in the products that they consume, which will in turn influence the sort of the general security of the products that are made, the focus and prioritization of security in manufacturing and engineering, um, and just kind of how these companies are coming out and being transparent about their security. So you spoke before around there was a breach that happened around the social security numbers. So that was the genesis of starting Bits and Bytes. And then, so what I'm curious to know now is a little bit more about like, where do you sort of want to take the company? Like, what's your sort of vision? So you've been doing this now for about four and a half years. I mean, you started incredibly young. Uh, That's crazy. And um, um, that's amazing at the same time. So I'm really curious to see that. Obviously, you're quite ambitious. Uh, I like that. I think we have similar traits. And and so I'm keen to really hear that. Where do you sort of want to take this now? Like, what's your overall vision? Certainly. Yeah. Well, one thing, Carissa, in security is that there's always work to be done. The field is not going anywhere in the future. And problems are only getting more and more human-centric with the need to educate human beings about current threats and what we can do about it. So the education piece, I don't think will ever go anywhere in the coming years. And we will continue, hope to continue pushing out relevant curriculum and programming for students, whether that be through educational curriculum, which we are pushing out to schools at the moment, or events that we invite students to and just hear their voices about what does security mean to you and take that feedback back to our partners and our schools and our products um, people. So I think in general, the idea of education is only, the need for it is only getting greater. 
Um, and that's something, you know, we see with this new curriculum, which we have, which is the disinformation curriculum, totally a byproduct of what we saw in not only the 2016 election, but sort of the worries around the 2020 election with the news headlines and things mm. like that. Um, so definitely we're adapting to the space. Um, and I hope to see one day that cybersecurity is taught in every single classroom um, across the country and the world, hopefully. Um, and right now we are, Fits and Bytes is actually involved in an initiative to help write K through 12 cybersecurity standards for classrooms across uh, the country. So hopefully we will start moving in that direction with empowering educators and students to really see security as something that they can embed into their everyday lives. So what does security mean to school students? You said that getting the direct feedback um, from school students, what what does it sort of look like for them, for people listening to this podcast? And I ask this because, I mean, I've worked in security in a, in a bank and I've done consulting and I've done a few other things as well, but now I'm really in this comm space and I think we've got to change the discourse in which we communicate to people. So what I mean by that is how we communicate to school students is fundamentally different to how we're communicating to people who are, who are elderly or, or people working in different industries. You need to tailor that communications. And I feel that a lot of people in this space aren't doing that. They're sort of just painting everyone with the same brush and hoping that it'll stick, right? So from your opinion, what what's like the focus? How are you sort of getting school students to pay attention to this and, and really sort of getting that hook so that so they are listening to to why this is important? Certainly, Carissa. And I absolutely love that you mentioned the communications aspect, because I do think at its core, the reason why we are seeing um, our country, you know, maybe like this shift of like people not doing the most secure actions, taking the most secure actions is because we lack like that communications area right now to, to translate what these really highly technical and difficult concepts are in security to the people and human level. So um, some of the kind of techniques and things that we've learned over time is number one, that young people do care about security and um, because we've, we've grown up with it and we've been exposed to it for so long, we almost have a sixth sense. A lot of times when I talk about phishing for even a classroom that's third through fifth grade, most of the students in the classroom have seen a phishing email before or have a friend who has talked about their, their account getting hacked through a phishing attempt. Um, so these students, like they are facing these sort of issues every single day. It's de definitely not something where they're in an isolated bubble away from the security issues that a professional would face in their day-to-day -day life. So um, the main thing that we work on is bringing these examples to the forefront of the curriculum. Um, so for example, like with our disinformation curriculum, it's actually designed for young women because young women of Gen Z have a very specific and unique experience when it comes to dealing and navigating the digital domain in terms of disinformation. A lot of cybersecurity issues are gendered um, issues that target specific races, target specific genders. So we do see that like shift in experiences. And it's all about like rooting every lesson in empathy and understanding that these students are going through and experiencing these security issues on a day-to-day -day basis. So our disinformation curriculum is 
equally rooted in the voices of young people who, you know, we share stories and relevant examples of how disinformation has affected disenfranchised groups or marginalized populations. Um, and just kind of telling every single student that they matter to our national security, like they matter in general and their digital well-being um, is not only important to keep themselves safe, but their neighbors safe and their peers safe, and their family safe and our country safe. So I think tying this to the bigger picture, instead of just keeping it in an isolated bubble of cybersecurity has to be done with coding education, you know, making it more interdisciplinary and rooted in empathy and lived experience is really what we're seeing as the um, the way to, to translate this for Generation Z. Can you provide an example of, you spoke before, like the target for women specifically, like what, what would that look like? So can you come up with like a, with a scenario and, and how would you sort of communicate that to uh, female students? Sure. So um, actually, this is an example from the 2016 election is mm -hmm. um, related to disinformation. There was a campaign that went out that um, convinced people or made really convincing graphics that said that you can vote by text this year. You can text a specific phone number and text them the name of the candidate that you'd like to vote for. And it would send in your vote to your local county and you would be counted. You wouldn't even have to go to the ballot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that we saw associated with those is the use of graphics for manipulation and, um, and disempowerment. So one thing we saw there was there were images that were associated with those campaigns. It would say vote by text and then um, on, it would be images of young black women or um, young Latina women who would be associated with this, you know, with the text that was there. So, and then also they would, one, one of the things that this adversary did was they translated the um, vote by text into different languages like Spanish so that it would directly be pushed out to populations that were um, marginalized or population, specific populations, right? Young women mm -hmm. who belonged to that specific um, identity group. So in that case, it's just bringing those sort of examples to classrooms and saying, hey, your identity is, is actually very closely tied to cybersecurity issues. And we see this across the board with other cyber issues, including cyber harassment, stalking, doxing, all sorts of things. Um, a mm. lot of things do end up being gendered in security um, and women are disproportionately affected. But so we just try and, you know, highlight their identity um, in, in, in the conversation and say, this is something that you should be aware of. And it's also something where, you know, you're not alone. We're all here and we are um, empowering ourselves to fight back against these actors and take the proper steps to protect ourselves. No, you're absolutely right. And I think giving that really specific example is because it sounds real. It sounds like, yeah, that's definitely not someone uh, improvising to be someone else. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And one thing that's interesting is, which we're going to get into in a second, is really embedding cybersecurity into the curriculum. I mean, even when I was in high school, Instagram had started uh, maybe a few years after I had left high school. And now I'm thinking, look at all the complexities that now go on for, for school students. Like, 
Facebook was around and people had that. I think I may have got Facebook when I was in year 12. But, I mean, social media wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And I think, I mean, you probably don't even know, there was like a social networking site called Bebo and you could send love. I think people still use it today. But that was the thing that people were using. And then there was MySpace. And then so Instagram and all these Mm -hmm. other things only really emerged after I got out of high school. Yeah. I actually think I'm kind of lucky because the amount of things that I hear from from parents and what their kids go through as well, I think is incredibly scary. And I think that mm-hmm. there does need to be a big push on this education because I guess it probably hasn't been there because social media hasn't always been there and the internet mm-hmm. only really started in the 90s. So I think that it's still quite an immature space. So I'm keen to sort of understand from your point of view of now educating students and having been a, a student recently, what are some of your immediate concerns, though, when it comes to not enough awareness in schools at the moment? Certainly. And that's a great point you bring up as well. Every day we see new technologies come up that um, just kind of blow my mind in terms of uh, the future of what Generation Z is not only going to be using, but but building as engineers and product designers. So the need for security conversation just elevates even greater than. Um, but to your point of kind of the biggest concerns we're seeing right now um, is, I guess, number one, um, well, a really big issue that we're seeing is that the lack of diversity in cybersecurity, and that is translated to ed- the education space as well. We need an ample amount of role models and um, to push this into uh, the bloodstream of our K-12 education system. You know, the moment that you start teaching exponents and um, mathematical concepts, teach your students binary and how computers work and maybe show them an uh, an engineer who works primarily on encryption, who might be from a diverse background. So it's kind of like being getting really creative about how you deliver these messages in the classroom and always making sure that, you know, it's applicable and relevant to security. Because if we look at it, like, Security is so interdisciplinary. It can be talked about in a biology classroom. There are a bunch of groups and solutions being put out there right now, which is awesome to see. Um, and then the other thing would be encouraging educators to deliver this in a way that is interdisciplinary, touching on all different topics, encouraging the students to understand that security matters because it is relevant to every single industry and protecting us every single day. Um, so those are huge. And then this, the mini point that I would make here is you know, fundamentally protecting our schools first, um, right? Right now we're seeing that the education sector alone is is probably one of the worst sectors in terms of cybersecurity and um, the greatest, basically the greatest amount, one of the greatest amounts of threats in terms of ransomware. So um, fundamentally, I think it also comes down to giving our schools, equipping them with the resources they need. Um, And for under-resourced schools and for schools everywhere, there are, you know, free resources as well that can be taken advantage of in that case. So, um, you know, we can't really preach about security or teach students security, right, without having um, a secure school and, and, you know, practicing what we preach. So I think it also comes down to supporting our schools in any way possible in terms of cybersecurity solutions. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that it's something that all, I would say, we, we a lot of the points you just covered now that we need to be able to to highlight the importance of educating people in schools, because like I said, it just historically, maybe there wasn't a need because 
like when I was in school, uh, you were only really using computers at like a handful of times. Uh, but do you believe that this will change in terms of the curriculum being incumbent now of schools? Like this will be like a, a school subject like maths, for example, like you have to learn maths. W- would you say that this is going to be or, and become quite ubiquitous in this space? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is my, you know, biggest vision and hope. But I, I really do think that we're moving towards that, um, particularly with initiatives like um, initiatives that bring CS into every classroom across the United States, initiatives that um, bring cybersecurity education to classrooms across the states that are, you know, more grassroots, um, and also things like writing standards that empower educators to know that, okay, by fourth grade, my students should learn um, X about ethics online, or by sixth grade, they should have no, they know the mathematical foundations to be ready to talk about encryption, right? So giving educators um, everything that they need as a toolkit to talk about cybersecurity confidently in their classrooms, um, I think that will be definitely a move that we're seeing. And then, um, of course, now with the amplification of social media as well, I think we have this great opportunity to amplify role models in the space of cybersecurity and put them in front of these young people to see that, oh, like, you know, that saying that you can't be what you can't see, right? So um, giving them, showing them exactly who they can be and the potential to become somebody who keeps other people safe and secure, that will open up, you know, hundreds and thousands of doors for these young people. And um, there's a statistic out there that Generation Z, 72% or near there, 72% of Generation Z wants a career in the future that makes an impact. Um, And going back to the idea of this being a communications um, solution, you know, if we push that into the bloodstream of K-12 and show them exactly what that impact looks like, not only will we be securing our future and the products that come out of our future, but also we'll be creating this like cyber army of individuals who feel empowered to take this on as a career and know that, you know, I'm making an impact with every single step I make every day. So I think it really does come down to like showing them these people what they do every day and um, and what it means in the in the 30,000 foot, you know, big picture level. You can't be what sorry, you can't be what you can't see. I really love that. I really like that. So you talk about amplification of role models. So people have talked about this. I don't know if we're doing a great job at that, but how would you People listening to this podcast and people do listen to this podcast all over the world that want answers, what would you say to them? How how can we amplify these role models and what are we doing right versus what are we kind of doing wrong? Yeah, I would definitely say a lot, you know, we are moving in the right direction. I think using social media to create campaigns that highlight these voices in cybersecurity you know, whether that be female practitioners or um, black practitioners in cybersecurity, you know, f- featuring these really, um, you know, re- these really cool, loud voices in cybersecurity and bringing them in front of students. That is, you know, one of the coolest ways that I've seen. And I've seen that across Twitter and Instagram um, and mainstream social media sites. So that's definitely one. And then, um, Also, you know, if you're a practitioner and you're a professional in cybersecurity, making all the effort you can to go into schools around your area and maybe offer to speak to the school on a career day or 
um, sit on a panel for, you know, a career fair or join them um, in one of their, you know, offer up a field trip of one of your data centers and show the students where you work and what you do. Um, anything like that would really, really help, you know, this collective idea of, of influencing a culture of security and drilling down why exactly this matters for human beings. Um, and then the other thing is if you're a professional and you, you have students in your life, you know, talk to them about it. Um, there's a really famous, you know, like my, my friend says this, this thing that is just like, um, you know, we, we as Gen Z um, don't talk about us, right? Talk to us. And when we talk about the future of cybersecurity, a lot of times we don't have that future in the room to, to share their input or to discuss like, oh, I've seen that before. I don't need to you know, go into that in detail or, you know, mom, dad, parent, I would really need some help and support and I am going through something online. So uh, kind of starting that conversation early and often would you say also when you go into these schools and you speak to students and you ask about cyber, would you say that most of the students are thinking dude in hoodie lives in a basement, that, that stereotype that Hollywood has fortunately or unfortunately painted this stereotypical picture, an image about what a cyber person looks like? And I, and I know even myself, and I think I was talking to someone about this the other day, I was in an Uber when we could travel and I had to travel for a conference and I jumped in the Uber and the Uber driver asked me what I did for work. And I said, I worked in cyber. And he's like, oh, really? I thought that like you looked like a mu musician. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think I was wearing like a, a black leather jacket and a hat. So maybe that's what musicians wear. But it was interesting to see sort of how he was so taken aback by that. And I said, well, like, what's your sort of interpretation of a cyber person? And then sort of he went into uh, the hoodies and, you know, guy in a basement. And, and so what I'm sort of getting at here is how do we sort of move away from that? Yeah, certainly. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I'm like a super feminine person. Like I love the color of pink. My room is pink at home. I have right now I'm sitting in a room where I have pink butterflies plastered <laughs> on the wall and um, I I love that stuff and and you know I do relate to the I, like the statement that you said about people having the preconception that uh, someone who works in cyber has to act a certain way around people or look a certain way um, and I think that is changing you know with the amount of role models that young people are seeing and interacting with. But I do think that, that that gap is still there, that, you know, because of the role of Hollywood, um, it presents areas of improvement, right? You know, with our media and with our the way that we present um, role models on in TV and movies, that could certainly add, you know, there could be diversity added in there. Um, I commonly share this, but, you know, the first time that I saw that I could potentially be a, a young person or a professional in cybersecurity was when I saw Felicity Smoke on The Arrow, which is a TV show, right? And I saw this fictional character who was a, a young woman who um, was fierce and she was empowering and I was inspired by that. So I think pushing these role models through, you know, our the way that we display cybersecurity on a big screen, definitely critical, um, as well as through our social media platforms, um, 
there are an incredible amount of professionals in the cyberspace out there on every social media platform that you can find. LinkedIn, Twitter are big ones. So definitely um, bringing those people in front of these um, classrooms to show these young people, whether that be through like a career day or a panel or whatever that might look like, um, is definitely critical. And the, the other point I'll say is, is with the curriculum itself, embedding these experiences into the curriculum. So for example, the Cyber Sleuth curriculum, which is one of our new curriculums with its invites, um, includes every video features two Cyber Sleuth and emoji characters. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Animoji characters are, we all kind of introduce ourselves and we're from different places in the United States. We come from different backgrounds. We have different um, ethnicities and hair colors. And, um, and it, uh, I think that really does, like when we bring it to classrooms and show them that different people talk about cyber and they might talk about it and deliver it in different ways. But at the end of the day, you know, cyber is all about the same thing, protecting individuals and keeping people safe and secure. Just allowing them to internalize that um, is a really cool uh, kind of realization and seeing that happen is, is amazing. So kind of choosing, you know, experiences that uh, prioritize and highlight diversity, definitely something that we could work on in the future and prioritize. But you're you're so right about that role model and the notion, preconceived notion that we have. I think doing everything we can to stomp on that glass ceiling and um, tear that glass ceiling down is definitely in our power for the future. No, I love that. And I, and I asked this because I mean, I started in security in my early 20s and I studied fashion. I love fashion. I love clothes. Uh, I think it should have uh, is a way of showcasing my personality, which is absolutely out there. And I think that for me, I was heavily criticized for not dressing how everyone else dressed. And I could either agree that I stay who true to myself and who I am and just keep forging ahead and trying to break that stereotype yeah. or I could go and be like everyone else. And so I was like, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick this out. Yeah. Uh, and I think it works for me today. Like people would always say like, oh, I remember mm -hmm. you wore that really cool jacket. I remember you from like some conference that I met you <laughs> at. And I think that for me, it's okay. actually been an advantage. And so, but it was absolutely yeah. hard because I was criticized and yeah. I, I felt people look down on me because, or they, uh, misinterpreted who I was and uh -huh. so I think that that's yeah. really important and what you're saying is exactly correct right like we a lot of times like we will teach cyber um as if you know offensive cybersecurity or hacking is like the only thing that cyber professionals do and that's the kind of like the notion that you know people come in with when they think about cyber they think about like those lines of green code like running through the screen and somebody clicking enter and everything is unlocked like they're in the network you know that i'm in kind of mood um but teaching cyber in a way that like highlights all the facets of cybersecurity, right whether that be like teaching them what threat intelligence looks like and why that is so important um teaching them the importance of writing in cybersecurity. Writing is, you know, underemphasized in, um, I would say, cybersecurity in a lot of STEM fields just because the the skill of being able to break something complex down into 200 words or a briefing that you would give to a prime minister of a country, that skill is incredibly critical in cybersecurity um, with the complexity of some of the 
attacks that we're seeing today. So, and then, you know, even the space of policy, we don't talk about like cyber policy enough and the importance of, of diverse and um, incredibly knowledge and intelligent policymakers for our future. And because we have so many privacy kind of things coming down the line, we have so many um, challenging topics related to social media and power dynamics and um, free speech. And so, you know, there, there's so much area for diverse array of people, whether you, you know, wear heels to work, whether you wear um, Crocs to work or, you know, whatever you, whatever you look like and sound like and, and be like, there's a space for you in cybersecurity. No, you're absolutely right. So I think there's people like uh, people like you that are helping uh, lead the way in that space and to, to make it okay that you can just be who you are. You don't have to fit in a box because I definitely don't like fitting in boxes. But one thing I'd really like to get uh, your thoughts on and really hear about is can you talk to me a little bit more about the new ISARCA certification, the ITCA? Like what what's this for? What's this all about? Yeah, certainly. So one of the biggest um, kind of important ideas that we're facing when we talk about the next generation or the future of cybersecurity is the idea of training professionals starting early um, with the fundamental skills that they need to face these complex cybersecurity challenges that we're seeing, right? So for Generation Z as well, I think Pro, like this idea of professional experience or gaining experience in cybersecurity looks and feels very different. You know, this could be participating in a social media campaign for a week or um, sending in a blog post for a website, or it could even mean an internship or getting hands-on experience at a lab in cybersecurity, or it could just be a class and a debate that you enter in cybersecurity. So, um, uh, all of these ideas like kind of culminate in, into what we have as certifications in cybersecurity. And um, certifications are a great way to showcase just how much you've learned in cybersecurity through all of your experiences um, and classroom education. There's this unique point in time we are at right now, especially with the shift to virtual experiences that allow students to not only learn um, from school, but also in various virtual environments, um, connect with different people, network with professionals at virtual conferences halfway across the globe. So I think this is a great opportunity, you know, for students to, um, to just gain the professional experience that we need as kind of the next step in cybersecurity and any experience, you know, ITCA or whether that be, you know, going to a conference and being there, being present for a week um, or just reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn that you really appreciate and follow their cybersecurity content. Any of those first steps are really like, will just open up hundreds of thousands of doors for you as a student. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I think that the, we are, as you mentioned, definitely moving in the right direction. So I'm really keen to to see uh, where we get to and, and how we can help sort of work together on this. And I think there sometimes is people operating a little bit independently, a little bit in their own silo. So it'd be great to get some sort of unification in the industry to really bound together because we're ultimately in this to get the same outcome, right? So I hope that we, we can... Exactly. And I think by people listening to podcasts like this really helps uh, expand their knowledge and their understanding of what is out there and what we are capable of doing. So 
one of the things I'd love to hear your thoughts about, uh, how do we as an industry increase accessibility to education and tech careers for under-resourced and underrepresented populations? And I think this is an interesting one as well because there's probably a lot of talent out there that are not getting the same sort of uh, career opportunities as, as other places in the world. So I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on this and how we can potentially bridge this gap. Certainly. This is such an important question. And I think it really boils down to bringing these sort of programs and um, this sort of programming, curriculum, conversation, conferences to areas that are under-resourced, right? One of the biggest challenges that we see is in areas where there is a cybersecurity desert, we call them, like places where there is not a cybersecurity firm, maybe in like a 20 mile radius from the city, those are the areas where not only are they more insecure and more vulnerable to attack, but also we see the students in that area experience a shift in limited conversation in cybersecurity, access to cyber resources, access to jobs in cyber, not having to, you know, travel 30 miles or 40 miles out for a cybersecurity internship. Um, So bringing these programs to them and um, I'll never forget, like, one experience, you know, bringing um, our cybersecurity curriculum to Laredo, Texas, and just working with the students there and hearing, you know, some of them experiencing cybersecurity and hearing that as a career option for the first time, as well as something that they could apply in their own lives. That was game changing, right? Like, hearing those students and um, relaying that information back into my mental programming and saying, hey, like, we need to do more of these, like, especially in community colleges across the country, in rural areas where, you know, there are these cybersecurity deserts, just pushing out more and more things and ensuring, again, that everything is rooted in empathy and understanding of unique experiences in cybersecurity. Um, Cyber is never, you know, a cookie cutter model that you can just implement and inject into everybody's lives in the same way. Um, it has to be very taken with a thoughtful approach. And I, I think that, you know, with this collaboration between uh, my nonprofit, Bits and Bytes Cyber, and One in Tech, ISACA's One in Tech nonprofit, we're mm-hmm. really aiming to do that, to really construct a model that um, democratizes cybersecurity for individuals and students across the country in a way that's approachable, in a way that even if you've never heard about cyber, you can learn about it for the very first time and enter into a conversation and an ecosystem where questions are appreciated, where your hand can always be raised. Um, We love hearing about stories from students. So just a very supportive environment and culture for students. Um, And I think these are, you know, all the ingredients that we we need for, for a future where we are adequately secure for the threats that we're seeing. So from your point of view, I mean, depending on who you're speaking to, this answer will change. Uh, I believe I've got quite a good handle on this. But what would you say would be the best uh, medium to get in front of these school students? Would you say social media is the best sort of way to, like you said, run these campaigns, push the awareness out? Because, as I said, depending on who you're speaking to, some people don't like social media. And it's like, well doesn't matter how you feel yeah. about social media. This is the best way possible to get in front of millions of people at scale. Yeah. Well, Carissa, I don't 
really think that there is like a best way. I think there are so many types of diverse learners nowadays that learn through different mediums and modes. Some people will learn cybersecurity best through going to a, a capture the flag competition or a penetration testing competition and physically you know being there learning but Whereas more, but more is- about the awareness rather than the learning side of it so more about learning just getting getting a grasp on cybersecurity like even understanding that it's a thing because you ask people and they're still not even aware that they need to be worried about their social media accounts for example do you, mm-hmm. do you think that social media is still the best way to approach that i think social media is super powerful but um you know there are a number, a handful of students that are not on social media as well. So, you know, targeting them in every potential avenue that we have to do that, like we could um, create programs for K-12, you know, in their schools, that's really powerful as well, right? Like pushing this right into the school, like 8 to 3.30 p.m. that they're in every single day. And they Mm. In these classrooms, they're also experiencing technology, going on multitudes of websites to research biology and research chemistry and history. So getting this into their K through 12 like model of um, teaching cybersecurity in a way that relates to all sort of topics and disciplines, I think that will be really powerful as we approach like this idea of like diverse learners, accessibility issues, things that we have going to the future, making it something that everybody can enjoy and be empowered mm. by. Yeah, so what I'm hearing from what you're saying is really that it needs to be driven through each independent school uh, so they can start learning more about it. And I guess where they could spark some of their interest could be derived from social media as well. So I don't think it's like a singular thing that's going to be the, the silver bullet, but I think that it should heavily be driven at school anyway because, like you said, they are there five days a week for a long period of time. So it makes sense that this is embedded into their education system. Yeah, certainly. And after-school programs, summer programs, um, there are a bunch of different vectors we can go about it. And I know for, you know, for professionals, this might seem something like, oh, I can't really impact the K through 12 system. But I think the big call to action is that we can spark conversation every single day about cyber and ensure that consumers, like even everyday consumers who are not in the K through 12 system and maybe have graduated, like still have an understanding of cybersecurity. So anything we can do to act as a translator, not live in our, you know, bubble of um, everyday work and um, the, the complex challenges that we face, but rather like coming down to the level, like after that time, like coming and, and translating everything that you're doing into something that makes sense for individuals. So I think everybody has that responsibility to protect their neighbor, see something, say something, and ensure that, you know, again, everybody just feels empowered by this. And going back to the idea of like the product, influencing the product's market um, that we're seeing, that starts with professionals raising their voices and saying like, cybersecurity is something that consumers care about. Like I know one of the moves that Singapore is making right now is giving cybersecurity ratings to products where when you buy a product, you can immediately see like if it's a connected refrigerator or an IoT product, you can immediately see like, oh, there's a rating one through five, depending on how many test security testing 
assurances that the product has gone through, right? That's a really easy way to translate cybersecurity to the consumer level instead of having them have to research, you know, what's mm. this product, who's, who's the developer, how much, how much security testing. So um, coming up with creative ways to communicate security to users who are going through their everyday lives and maybe are not security professionals like like we are, like we, that's that's incredibly critical. No, you're absolutely right. I was speaking to someone else actually on the podcast Oh, I, last year, spoke exactly about the, the rating uh, from an IoT perspective. We're actually talking about IoT, so it made sense. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy yeah. way to digest as well. Uh, so I hope that, again, by people listening to your thoughts, that they start to think about, like you said, creative ways to 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 guide people in the right direction. Because, again, it's like it's not their field. So how, how on earth would someone who doesn't, specialize in this or work in this really understand what a lot of these nuanced uh, uh, issues that we have uh, it'd be very hard to understand so I think if we try to simplify it and make it palatable for people they they absolutely will be more inclined to pay more attention to it because they can understand it and they don't have to spend hours and hours and hours researching things that they don't really even necessarily even know what they're looking for it's like a needle in a haystack exactly People do listen to this podcast. So what would you like to say to them directly about what you're seeing as the problem in the industry? And then I guess, how can they then help support you in your mission and, and potentially reach out to you? Um, because I think this yeah. is a really good way of, of, of asking people directly about what you want. Certainly. Yeah. I think the, you know, one of the biggest things we can do is collaboration. Teamwork makes the dream work. And collaborating organizations like the some of the parts is greater than the whole right like so if you um are a professional that is connected to a organization or a youth group or a group that works with vulnerable populations or even a k-12 through school um definitely connect with us bits and bytes and one in tech and the curriculum that we have we would love to um, see more people downloading the curriculum and utilizing our free resources in their classrooms. Um, and we would love to hear from you as well. Like just um, knowing that the conversation, and again, every classroom looks different, the conversation in the classroom, we are always here to support with like, if we need to put together a panel of individuals that are talking about cyber or want to construct a creative means to bring this to a classroom, we are um, we are always on board for those types of creative collaborations. So definitely reach out and, and um, check us out on our website as well. We have a bunch of new curriculum now. So really exciting stuff for the future. Awesome. Well, Kyla, again, I really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate it. And I really love how you've just been very open and honest about your about your thoughts and your own experiences in the industry. And I believe that a lot of people can relate to this. I myself am relating to a lot of things that you're talking at. So again, I really do appreciate your time. And I was going to ask you, how can people reach out to you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. Um, it's at guru, G-U-R-U detective. So definitely would love to connect on there. Um, and then we have our website for bits and bytes, which is just www bitsnbytes.us.com. 
and all of our curriculums on there. Um, and we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for having me, Carissa. This was an awesome conversation today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carla. Really appreciate it. And I can't wait to get you back. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to KB Cast, the cybersecurity podcast for executives. We always value your support and would love it if you could leave us a review or a comment on your platform of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And that's always appreciated. Till next time.